Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. Hey, if you haven't checked out Pre-Med Diaries yet, go check it out. It's hosted by my wife, Dr. Allison Gray, who's a neurologist and has a lot more empathy than I do, which is why she's hosting it. Go check it out at meddiaries.com or subscribe to Pre-Med Diaries in your favorite podcast app. This is the MCAT Podcast, session number 116. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week where I get to talk to one of Next Step Test Prep's premier tutors, content developers, head of MCAT, all stuff MCAT, and so much more. Uh, this week, we are covering some more cars prep. We're, we're still stuck in the cars section. I hope you are following along with us, struggling with me as I try to read these passages, understand these passages, and not get tripped up with these passages. So, Let's go ahead and jump into some more cars with Clara. All right, Clara, back for our second to last cars passage. I'm coming, I'm, I'm gonna become nostalgic for these cars passages. I'm growing to like them as we go on, as I'm building my <laughs> skills, learning how to comprehend what I'm reading, learning all of these tricks that you're teaching teaching us. So hopefully, hopefully we can finish strong with these last couple. Oh yeah, I think so. What, are, what do we have in store for us today? So this one's a little bit different from the ones we've done before. Um, this passage is uh, kind of a little bit more dense, so it's a little bit philosophical, um, kind of related to economics um, and social studies. So we're going to see how it goes, but it should be a good exercise for those of you who maybe hate these topics. All righty, go ahead. All right. Passage eight. The question of principle will be treated here from a purely economical point of view, since practical value, measured by saving of time, money, and effort, must be the ultimate criterion by which the success or failure of so far-reaching a reform as the introduction of an international auxiliary language will be decided. The bearing of such a reform upon education, culture, race relations, etc. is not without importance. But the discussion of these points must be postponed as subsidiary. Democracy, science, and universal education are producing everywhere similarities of institutions, of industry, of the whole organization of life. Similarity of life will breed community of interests, and from this arises real converse, more give and take in the things that matter, less purely superficial dealings of the guidebook or conversation manual type. The tendency of those engaged in advancing material progress, which consists in the subjection of nature to man's ends, is to adapt more and more quickly their methods to changing conditions. 
Has the world yet faced, in a business-like spirit, the problem of wiping out wastage on words? The whole industrial revolution brought about by the invention of machinery depended upon this principle. When it was found that machinery would turn out a hundred pieces of cloth while the hand loom turned out one, the hand loom was doomed. Tasks previously done laboriously by hand in hundreds of weavers' cottages were now brought together in a single cotton mill, and the factory was born. Consumers had little difficulty adapting to the new age of abundant products swiftly manufactured. Governments, however, found it significantly harder. The instinct of governments is to protect unions and companies that already exist, not the upstarts that would destroy them. They shower old factories with subsidies and persecute bosses who want to move production. Governmental agencies spend countless funds backing the techniques and methods which they, in their wisdom, think will prevail. And they cling to a mistaken notion that manufacturing is superior to services, let alone economics. Since the publication of the language in 1887, Esperanto has had a gradually increasing number of adherents who have used it for all ordinary purposes of communication. A great number of newspapers and reviews of all kinds are now published regularly in Esperanto in a great variety of countries. Articles are as clearly expressed and as easy to read as those in any similar review in a national language. Now, as the nations will never agree to give the preference to the language of one of them to the prejudice of the others, even were an artificial language to be no easier to learn than a natural one, the choice would be obvious. <laughs> um, yeah, this is one where I'd go, see, 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 move on. <laughs> It's a little intimidating for sure. I have no idea what we just read. It seemed to like <laughs> jump from from one random thought to another random thought and then ended in language somehow uh, from manufacturing. So I'm very confused and I'm interested to see where this goes. Absolutely. We'll see. Sometimes the questions might illuminate a little bit about yeah. the passage and what the author's saying. Hopefully. Uh, question <laughs> 43. Suppose China were to dominate the international manufacturing market, with this country being the one that every other nation needed to communicate and trade with. The passage author would likely argue that A, the pre predominant Chinese dialect be accepted as a, a de facto international language, B, the least economically powerful international trading nation be given the advantage of providing a lingua franca, C, an artificial language should still be designated for international discussion so each nation is on equal footing. Or D, either Chinese or another national or artificial language be chosen, whichever minimizes total languages learned. Wow. Um, so I, I think the easy one to go with is A, because it ended with talking about language and... And so it's like, oh, yeah, the author says that. Um, but let's think about this for a minute. Um, if you go back to the first paragraph, I think potentially where we should go is that it's everything should be viewed from a practical value measured as saving time, money, and effort is the ultimate criterion. Um, time, value... Time, money, and effort uh, is is how we should choose everything. Um, and so it's saying, the question is saying, 
that China, if it's the dominant international manufacturing market, uh, which it is, um, <laughs> then every other nation communicating with it should Chinese be the um, predominant language. So it makes sense, but let's go to the other ones. Uh, be the least economically powerful international trading nation be given the advantage. Mm. No, I don't think that is mentioned anywhere. Uh, C, an artificial language should still be designated for international discussion, so each nation is on equal footing. I don't think it talks about that either. Just going back to that first paragraph, right? Time, money, and effort. That's the ultimate criterion. Um, and then either Chinese or another national or artificial language be chosen, whichever minimizes total languages learned. So I'm like, ooh. Okay, <laughs> minimizes total languages learned. Minimizes means less effort, uh, saving time, etc. So I'm going to go with D because the the author is, is saying we should pick everything based on the practical value. Uh, and so we need to decide, is it practical uh, to have Chinese or another language? So I'm going to say D. <laughs> this one is really tough. Oh, that means um, I got it wrong. It, it does. <laughs> uh, but that was a good try. So the answer here is actually C. Um, and this, this question actually is um, one of my favorites, I think, from this whole passage, because it's a really good exercise in, again, not overthinking, right? Because um, you focus on that first paragraph, that time, money, and effort phrase. And focusing on that sort of requires us to like assess like which of these options will require the least time, money, and effort. But there's just no way we could know that, right? Like even with D, the one you picked, um, it's talking about minimizing total languages learned. That seems like it would minimize effort, but we don't really know what it minimize money spent. Like would, would nations even adopt these languages? So there's most likely another part of the passage where the author is more direct and we don't have to really speculate as much. Uh, and that's actually the first place you looked, I think, which is the last paragraph. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is actually where the author's opinion comes out, right? Because uh, if you were actually reading this passage, I would highly recommend highlighting uh, extreme language, like strong language. Uh, and the word never is really extreme. So it says, now as the nations will never agree to give the preference to the language of one of them to the prejudice of the others. So they'll never agree um, basically these nations will never agree to take on the language of one of them, right? Because they maybe all want to like speak their own languages. Uh, and so then the author says, even were an artificial language to be no easier to learn than a natural one, the choice would be obvious. So we can see from that, the author saying, oh, even if this artificial language is just as hard to learn than a natural language, the choice is obvious. And the beginning of that sentence tells us, oh, he's saying the choice is obvious, like we should pick the artificial language. Mm. And that's choice C. All right. <laughs> Good breakdown of, of the thought process there. Yeah, that, that's a hard one because it, it, it would be hard for me to to draw that conclusion. Again, reading as fast as, as a student reads through these, reading through that last sentence, the choice would be obvious. I would go, okay and i wouldn't i wouldn't tie it back to the beginning of that sentence uh to to look into what he's saying is obvious so that that one would just go right over my head 
Yeah, it's definitely a tough one, and it's easy to miss, but I, I think any time an author says something like that, like, oh, the choice is obvious, or oh, it's, like, clear what we want to do, it's worth stopping and, like, even taking, like, 15 seconds to think, okay, like, what is that choice? Because mm. that, that can really help, then you're giving a little bit more time to it, and you know it must be important because the author is so strong, strongly worded there. What do, what do, when students get this one wrong, what are they picking? Do you have that data? Um... So I do actually, so um, A and D are pretty evenly split. So this is a tough one. Um, and I, I don't have the exact stats on how many people pick C, but A and D are like the st- tied for the most tempting choice. And then B is pretty much easy to eliminate just because it's like, it seems backwards, like logically too, yeah. okay. <laughs> just like you thought. Yeah. All right. So everybody makes the same mistakes I made. <laughs> they sure do. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's try another one. Let's see how it goes. Question 44. Which of the following would weaken the passage's argument for the adoption of an artificial official international language? A, dozens of non-Anglophone heritage countries in Europe, Africa, Asia, and Latin America have since adopted English as a second official language for ease of international communication. B, each year several heritage languages with small fluent populations die, being preserved only in books and in the speaking knowledge of a few specialists. C, globalization thanks to increased transportation infrastructure and satellite and internet-based communication have brought in smaller, more isolated countries into the world trade market. And then finally, D, a comparison study suggests that several leading artificial languages are neither easier nor more difficult to learn than a majority of natural languages. Um, So I'm going to throw out D right away based on the last paragraph because he's saying even if it's harder, uh, we should still potentially choose um, the the artificial language. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm going to throw out D right away as weakening it. Um, A is interesting to me. Dozens of non-Anglophone heritage countries in Europe, Africa, Asia, and Latin America have since adopted English as a second official language. So that is a direct argument of what he's saying in this last paragraph, that nations will never agree to give preference to the language of one of them. But answer choice A is saying, but these nations are giving preference and saying, hey, we should learn English as well as a second official language. Um, answer choice B, several heritage languages with small fluent populations die being preserved only in books. I don't think that matters. Um, I mean, it's, it's a tragedy, tragedy, but I don't, I don't think it matters in what, what the paragraph is saying. Uh, C, globaliz- globalization, bringing more isolated countries into the world trade market doesn't necessarily mean anything. Uh, his argument would be we should have an artificial language so that they can join in in the fun. Uh, so I would say A is probably the strongest that would weaken the argument. That is exactly right. All right. Yeah. Yeah, and that was perfect. Uh, I would use process of elimination here too because uh, we kind of have to because all these answer choices are brand new pieces of information uh, that we're looking to see how they impact the argument. And yeah, so you were right in your assessment of each of them. So B, um, the heritage language is dying, um, is definitely tragic, but not relevant at all to the passage. Mm-hmm. And then C, globalization. Well, in the passage there, he's kind of talking about, oh, because the world is becoming more connected, now we might need this artificial language. So 
C as well as D both um, essentially agree with his argument, mm-hmm. and that leaves us with A. Yep. All right. <laughs> Question All right. 45. Based on the passage, which of the following would the author least likely cite as a possible non-economic benefit to an established artificial international language? Least likely to cite as a benefit to this artificial language. Okay. Answer choice A, a decrease in ethnic tensions. B, an improvement in international education. C, a cultural advancement in participating countries. Or D, a strengthening of democracy across the world. Based on the passage, which is the least likely to cite as a non-economic benefit. So going back up to the first paragraph, um, he said the bearing uh, of such reform upon education, culture, race relations, etc. is not without importance, but the discussion of these points must be postponed as subsidiary. So I think that's what they're trying to get at here. So answer choice A, ethnic tensions, I think would be race relations, which he's saying is important. So I think A would um, would be important. Uh, so I'd cross that one off. An improvement in international education, education he mentions there. Uh, so I'd cross that one off. A cultural advancement in participating countries. Culture is listed there. Uh, and then D, a strengthening of democracy, and that one is not listed, so I'd go with D. That's perfect. All right. Yeah, Yeah, they made that one a little easier for us, but interestingly, that question is actually missed by a lot of our students. Um, Even though those three terms were listed right there in that first paragraph, and I think the reason for that is because democracy is also mentioned, uh, is mentioned later, Uh, So people sometimes see, oh, democracy, and they think, oh, D might be um, something I can cross out too. But in reality, that's discussed sort of separately. It's not discussed as, oh, an important result of this uh, language change. It's rather discussed as like democracy is producing this um, similarity of institutions, this sort of environment that makes the language change more um, of something we would want to do. Yeah. Okay. Great. Good job. All right. Let's see how the last one goes. Question 47. Four possible languages are put forth as an acceptable international language. Which of the following would the author most likely agree should be used as the international language? A. English as the total volume of international commerce carried out in English is already higher than any other language. B. Mandarin Chinese as the total number of native speakers of this language is the largest in the world. C. Esperanto, as it has been constructed to have logical syntax and grammar, making it easier to learn than many natural languages. And D. Binary code, as it is already the language used by computers and is thus 100% logically constructed and executed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I just think about... uh watching the big bang theory and watching those guys like Sheldon and, and, and the characters on there talking in binary code. And I just try to picture us as humans going zero one zero one one zero zero one one. And like, Oh man, that would be impossible. So I'm going to throw out D just cause it's ridiculous. Um, so. um, and I, I think we go back to the core of, of question 43, the first question talking about artificial language. And that's really, 
what the author is trying to get at is we should have this artificial language um, to say that that yes, you, we should have Esperanto. It's constructed. It's um, this um, uh, this artificial thing that people are going to agree with, and nobody's going to be mad because they're putting down their own language. They're just learning this this uh, artificial one. So I would go with C as the one that he would most or she would most likely agree with. C is correct. All right. Awesome. Yeah, that that was perfect. Uh, that one is really that easy as long as we don't uh, get too tangled up in it because we know the author is very pro on artificial language. Uh, we know Esperanto is an artificial language, and we certainly know that English and Mandarin Chinese are actual national languages. So Esperanto is the only artificial language in there. Uh, it, it must be the right answer. Um, and the rest of the answer choice makes sense too, which is important to check out, but... Uh, really, as soon as we see that first part of the answer, we know that C is correct. I th- I think going through this, if this was test day, I was going through this without having the a tutor <laughs> in my ear, which would be amazing. We need to have that technology, although that's cheating. We shouldn't do that. Um, so because I got 43 wrong, I'm most likely going to get 47 wrong um, because I was stuck reading this passage on the very first paragraph going, the author thinks that we should look at the practical value measured by saving time, money, and effort. Right? That's how I answered question 43. And without any sort of um, uh, interruption, not interruptions, but any sort of uh, correction by you earlier, I probably would have gone with Mandarin Chinese because it says the total number of native speakers of this language is the largest in the world. Therefore, oh, that's going to be the easiest as far as saving time, money, and effort because less people are going to have to learn it. Well, see, so that could definitely happen. Um, now, there's a way to get around that. So even if you don't have a tutor in your ear, um, one thing that I always recommend to my own students when they don't fully understand what's going on in a passage, uh, and this passage is a great example, uh, say you did answer question 43 and you did pick A, which is the one about um, the Chinese language. Uh, once you get to 47, you can always, basically, I always recommend keeping an open mind with previous questions because a later question might actually illuminate uh, more about the passage than you understood before. So like here, for example, A and B are awfully close. Like A says, right. A says the total volume of international commerce carried out in English is higher than any other language. So how could we know that choosing Mandarin Chinese will actually minimize the money and effort? It it could cost a ton of money to switch all of that international commerce over to, uh, over to Mandarin. Yeah. So because we can't choose between A and B because they're so similar, then we're left with C, and that can actually help us catch that we got 43 wrong. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> All right. I love right. learning. Um, okay, so so keep an open mind as you're going through, and, and just because you answered one earlier, don't, don't necessarily uh, force your thinking into that uh, for later questions. Exactly. All right, so there you have it, Cars with Clara. That's what this podcast should be named, Cars with Clara. I hope this was helpful for you. I hope as we are wrapping up this Cars section in the next few episodes, that after going through these episodes, the car section becomes easier for you, right? 
all of the mistakes that I'm making are very common mistakes that students make, right? I'm making these mistakes. I don't make the mistakes on purpose. I don't do this so that Claire has talking points for, for helping you, for fixing what I'm doing. I'm reading this as if I were you. And remember, I was terrible in verbal reasoning uh, back when I took the MCAT. That's what the car section used to be called, right? I took the MCAT so long ago, it had a different name, or at least the section did. So as I go through these, as I read these, understand that the mistakes I'm making are gonna be mistakes that you make. And so hopefully you won't make them. If you are looking for more prep, more questions, more passages, go check out, right? This is full length 10 from Next Step. They have 10 full length exams. Go check out all the other full length exams that you can purchase. You can purchase four, a set of four, six, or all 10 over at nextsteptestprep.com. And you can save 10% using the promo code MCATPOD. That's all capital letters, M-C-A-T-P-O-D. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT Podcast. (music) 